we have a very special day today. Um, it's not something, I've done it one at a time in 11 years here at Lake Point, uh, where we had an ordination service. And today we have two men that we're going to have a special service for. And it's actually a two, kind of a situation, a two process. We have a licensing and an ordination. A licensing is a person who, who is early in the ministry, we see the gift, we want to encourage them to keep developing. The, we may not see them ready for pastorship yet as a pastor or be called a lead pastor, um, but we see um, potential in that. And, and so we want to license that person for more ministry to keep growing and, and uh, in that work. He's been an intern here with us and uh, for the past eight months. and. Um, and so this has been a good season for him in growing in, uh, in that ministry. The ordination is a person that maybe we've known a little bit longer. We've seen the hands of God over his life for sure. The fruit of his ministry is evident. And, and so an ordination, a church recognized that person. Hey, we see you as God's special calling to a title of a pastor, to a reverend. And uh, so we're doing that today for our second individual. The first individual, Robert McLaughlin and his wife, Karen. Robert and Karen McLaughlin. I want to have them come to the platform. And what we want to do today is hear their testimony of God calling in their life. And then, um, and then we'll pray over him and present a certificate of licensing as we continue to see God working in his life. So Karen and, uh, and, and Robert, you come up here, and that'd be great. There has never been a time in my life, as far as I can recall, when I did not know of God. For much of my childhood, I've been brought up in, a, in, a, in the church. I've been lucky enough to have parents who both believe in God and still that foundation in me from the beginning. Eventually, at the age of 11 or 12, my parents were decided to go to Stony Church, which is just a few miles from here. This is where I went from knowing of God to having a relationship with God. Soon at the age of 13 years old, along with my cousin, I'd be baptized. It was there that I publicly committed my life to Jesus in front of an entire church. The necklace my parents gave me that day is the same necklace I've worn for the last 21 years. It serves as a reminder of that commitment I made on that day. I would grow up through my teen years with certain people feeding into me and through some trials that would grow me into who I am today. As the age of 16, I would meet my future wife, Karen, while in high school. As a junior and senior high school, we would get up early to attend church with my father. Karen said this was a way for her to spend more time with me, but it was actually God preparing us for our future. Karen would become a vital part in my growth as a believer, my growth as a future minister, and a vital part of some of the ministries I've become part of. At the age of 17, I would feel God call me to ministry. That birthday was the first one Karen and I would celebrate together. Only dating a few months, Karen bought me a student Bible, something to this day that she says was rare for her to do for somebody, like a boyfriend. It was as if God was confirming what was placed on my heart and the path that Karen and I would unknowingly take eventually. I tend to joke that I had the most experience because I tried to tell God that he was calling the wrong person and I wasn't skilled because I haven't even been involved in any kind of ministry at that point. I would go on to college, try graphic design psychology, but would ultimately drop out of college for two years to save money to marry my wife at the age of 23. 
God certainly had a plan for our little family as he blessed us with our son in 2015, Joseph, and our daughter, Abigail, in 2019. My role as a dad has allowed me to see God's word much more clearly. Now I, now I look back and I realize God has called me into ministry all along. I have realized that not listening to God can cause many problems in one's life. That maybe while God was calling me into ministry, maybe it just wasn't at that time. Later when, he, when I grew leaps and bounds in my faith because I, of the waiting. At the age of 25, God would call me too strongly to ministry, and I would have to accept it. I was still attending Stony Church and began to inquire about, from the staff about what my next steps would be in following God's calling in my life. Our family pastor attended Stony Church and also officiated me at Karen's wedding would tell me that I should talk to some pastors and find out where God was calling me to. Ultimately, God would call me to youth ministry. He put it on my heart that I could be one of, one of many people who could help youth transition to adulthood and also let them know that they're the next leaders of the church. Once that burning was placed on my heart, I would spend the next four years involved in youth ministry. Sundays and Thursdays, you would find me helping out with tech, being part of the small groups, or everything in between. Pastor Jason Fulham was the first one to take me under his wing and show me youth ministry. Some of the teens here at Lake Point know Pastor Jason as he does events for Youth for Christ and also has preached a few times for the youth. It was Pastor Jason who would help me realize youth ministry was my calling and be the first to show me what ministry was or could be. I would go on to graduate from Macomb Community College, still not following God's calling in my heart. Eventually, I'd move away from Stony Church as the leadership shift and began attending a Nazarene church for three years, where I would do youth ministry once again. In that time, I attended Rochester College. After two semesters, I received advice to transfer to Nazarene Bible College from the pastor of the church we were attending at the time. I went from a college I met person to a college that was strictly online. Online college wasn't exactly my ideal choice. But with a growing family came more responsibility, so I made this work. This is where I would spend my next four years and graduate from them in this past May. In this time, God would carry me through and teach me one of the more, most valuable lessons he's taught me yet. I can't do anything on my own, but with him I can do all things. Two years ago in the summer, friends of ours invited us to attend Lake Point Church. We only expected to visit once. However, Karen and I both felt a draw to Lake Point along with our children. There was something here, and we wanted more of it. That one Sunday turned into two years. Again, it was part of God's plan as I would spend the last year of college being an intern here at Lake Point. God has known what he was doing as he always does. And here at Lake Point, thanks to the staff and especially Pastor Scott, I've been able to experience the behind the scenes and upfront parts of doing ministry. These last two years have pushed me to place my faith in a ministry I would have never reached otherwise. Lake Point is also important to my family as well. As my family and I all allow God, God to lead us to the next part of our journey, we are both excited and sad. We are sad to eventually leave all of you who have taken us in and <clears throat> made us part of your Lake Point family from day one, but also excited for what God will continue to do through us and through Lake Point as we keep in touch. Today I have asked Pastor Scott to license me so my family and I can do as Lake Point strives to do, help people take their next steps with Jesus. My next step today is to become officially licensed so I can carry out pastor responsibilities in the near future in youth ministry. Thank you. That about Robert, you know, he has, uh, you know, he's been interning here for eight months. They were here before that, and uh, but you know, about eight months ago, I said, Scott, I want to intern, and if you can invest in me and my family, and uh, we've been doing that. You get to see different areas of our church, and uh, one thing about Robert is Robert, he's very good at seeing a need before someone says something about it. He just gets. 
he just gets it done. And he just has a great heart, just the ministry. And that, that's important, seeing the need before anyone else does. You know, and saying, you know what, I'm going to roll up my sleeve, and uh, I, I'm just going to, I'll just make it happen. And, uh, and so has a servant heart and a teachable spirit. And I, I know this, you know, at some point down the road, he's going to take that next step, and he'll get ordained into ministry, and he'll get more, uh, you know, more evidence, more work into this area, but he's on his way. He really is on his way to ministry. Got his mom and dad, got family here, they're all here, they're kind of cheering him on, and uh, we're proud of both of you. And, and uh, Karen, you're going to be a wonderful, wonderful partner. You know, and got two beautiful children, and, uh, and, and you, you know, God got great plans for you if you just stay faithful to him. You know, don't worry about, don't worry about the results. You should be faithful to him. And God, will, God will bring the blessing into your ministry life. And so I have a certificate that we want to present to you. And I'm going to have you hold on to this so I can grab this. And um, it's a certificate of license. This is to certify Robert McLaughlin, who has given evidence that God has called him into the gospel ministry, with license to preach the gospel as he may have opportunity, and to exercise his gifts in the work of the ministry by Lake Point Church at Shelby Township, Michigan, on the first day of August. 2021. Robert, congratulations. We're going to pray for Robert and Pam, uh, Karen. And uh, Karen, uh, I keep saying Pam because on Facebook it's Karen Pamela, you know, but I know it's Karen. Right? And in the first service I called her Pamela. Right? So anyway, we're going to get it right here. It's Karen. And, uh, and it should be easy because my wife's name is Karen. All right, so, hey, will you join me as we pray for them and, and God bless them in their ministry. God, we ask you to help them. God, we be with Robert and Karen and their family. God, may you continue to express your anointing in his life as he's sent out to do ministry, wherever that may be. God, I pray you help them to be faithful. Help them to step up to the calling that you've called them to, to be faithful to you. It's accountable to you and to you alone. And so, God, we ask you to help them. I know there are going to be some ups and there are going to be some downs. But through and through, God, you are ever so faithful. And I pray that their faith will grow in their walk with you as they pursue to tell people, to tell the lost, dying world the name of Jesus. And so God, I pray that the church will get behind him, to encourage him, to support him, wherever that may be. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. All right. Jonah Fair. Jonah has been Jonah has been serving as our youth pastor since 2016. Came up here as an intern, and uh, and as an intern, we, we weren't sure what that was going to look like. And uh, honestly, we just thought he was going to be around for about six months to a year. And um, but then God kept opening up the doors, and and 
eventually became our youth pastor here. And um, when he first took over, they were, um, you know, running. Uh, they, they, I know that year you took 20 kids to camp, you know, and uh, in, in five years, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they took 50 kids to camp. You know, you see the fruit of what God is doing in, in his work and ministry. Uh, in five years, he personally led to Christ 27 students to the Lord. And, um, yeah. And 17 of them have taken that next step in believer's baptism. And so I say all that because, you know, we talk about the evidence, the fruit. We see his heart. And, um, and so what I'd like for us to do here is to hear testimony and, uh, and let him share his calling in his life. And I said, Jonah, why don't you do that? Thank you. Check, check. All right. All right. Well, uh, hey, uh, my name is Jonah Fair. Um, for those that don't know me, um, I'm a middle child, family of five. I got some of my family up here. Um, very grateful for them. Um, but yeah, so I'm originally from South Carolina. Um, at the first service, I asked if anybody knew what the Bible Belt was, and there's some people that said, like, amen, so that, I guess that was the way that they knew. Um, so I don't need to do that, but I'm from, the, uh, from South Carolina, so what's referred to as the Bible Belt. And so one of the reasons why it's called that is because there's a lot of churches. There's a lot of exposure uh, to the name of Jesus. Uh, there's a lot of information, a lot of, a lot of knowledge. Um, but for me... Growing up, I labeled myself as a Christian, but I lived my life as an atheist. God had no lordship over my life. Not only that, but I, I believed in a foreign concept of a God, but I didn't have any surrender to the person of Jesus. And so all the way through my life, I labeled myself a Christian. I always saw people that had this zeal, this passion for the Lord, this, this relationship, even before a relationship was like a word that we use a lot. I, I saw that and I wanted that so bad, but I thought that was something I could never get. It wasn't until I was 17 that I realized that that is something that not only I can have, but that we all can have. And when I was 17, I really got to the end of myself and just got to a moment where I said, Lord, I need you. I don't need just to know about you. I need you. And in, the, in about a period of three months in 2011, junior year of high school, I wasn't plugged into a church. I was just there at home. I just started reading the Bible and I started to fall in love with Jesus. And beyond the information I knew about Jesus, I started to get to know him personally. And a part of that process was me realizing that I was a sinner, that I needed a savior, that I was broken within. And that not only was I broken, but we all are broken. And in June 2011, I got on my knees in my bedroom and I reached my end. I knew I couldn't leave that floor the same way that I got on that floor. I knew that I needed life. I needed to know Jesus. And I just said a little simple little prayer. I said, Lord, if you could do something in my life, you can have it. You can have it. And in that moment, he did. And that was the very first moment I ever received joy. I went to that floor with no purpose, no identity, no future, no hope. And I left that floor with all of the above. And so I say all that to say that the Lord is faithful. He is real. Uh, it, it, today, when you're, when you're hearing about this message, hearing testimony from me or, or, or Mr. Robert, you know, that what the Lord has done in our lives, he could do in your lives as well. And from that moment on, the Lord called me to uh, Bible college. I went to Bible college. And while I was there, I felt the Lord put on my heart a burden for Michigan. 
And um, one of my pastors from the Columbia area is actually here right now. He was one of the, uh, him and his wife, Catherine, they were one of the people that were praying with me through that process. And after I graduated college, um, the Lord opened up opportunity. I came up here and the rest is history. But the Lord is faithful to do what he's begun within us. And uh, he is so, so good. And so thank you. You know, at Jonah, we had a council meeting, you know, for the ordination council, because we, we, we were looking to see if he earned the title of Pastor Jonah Fair. Maybe you've called him Pastor Jonah Fair, that's fine, but you know, really officially earned the pastor. We had an ordination council that met yesterday, and we actually deliberated for an hour and a half. And this is, a, you know, this is a tradition that was first started by the apostles of the early church 2,000 years ago. And uh, the grave responsibility of men, ordained men, getting together to listen to his calling, his testimony, yeah, ask questions, we review his doctrinal statement, you know, and, and uh, we, we, we went through that process. And it was a wonderful process, and at the end of the day, our council agreed to present to Lake Point Church um, to, um, to refer him to be Reverend Jonah Fair, to be ordained. Um, and so we actually came up with five, we actually came up with more, but I'm going to give it five words to describe Jonah. Our, our council in an hour and a half, some of most of us knew him already, but five words, and maybe these five words were I say five words, five descriptive phrases, you know, because it's more than five words, but five descriptive phrases that, that we felt describe Jonah. Number one, we believe that Jonah has the heart of a servant, the servant heart. Number two, he's the real deal, sincere. What you see is what you get. You know, and he, he, he'll tell you his, his highs, he'll tell you his lows. And, um, Nothing fake about Jonah. He loved people, number three. He loved people. He got a heart of a shepherd. Number four, he's teachable. He's still learning. He's still learning. Number five, we, we call it an all-in follower of Jesus. It's all-in. We believe that about Jonah. And, um, and so the council approved, we refer it to the church body, if you're in agreement with the decision of our council, will you let us know with a clap of hand? You. And you can just see the impact. They're going to just stand because they had to stand. You know, the impact that you had in their life. What we're going to do at the end of the service here, we're going to present a certificate, and then the, the council is going to come up here to the platform. We're going to pray over him at the end of the service. And so, Jonah, we'll see you back up here in a few minutes. All right. Well, I want us to look real quickly to Acts chapter 13, the book of Acts chapter 13. 
I want us to go really back to the very first, first ordination service. And I want you to see the expectations that they had for the pastors that they were sending out. And in fact, one of them, you may be familiar with two names. One is named Barnabas, and the other name is a man named Saul. Now, maybe you don't know who Saul is, but he had a name change, and he became Paul, the Apostle Paul. And so in Acts chapter 13, he's referred to as Saul. In verse number one, the Bible says, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And then two names in this list, there's a list of names, but one of them is named Barnabas, and the last name in that list in verse number one is the name Saul. Bible says that in verse two, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. The Bible said they were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. They were led by the Spirit of God. They went down to a place called Seleucia and they sailed from there to Cyprus. I think it's interesting, the very first ministry job that they had was the cruise. Not a bad way to start off, all right? They went on a cruise ship to Cyprus. Number five, verse five, when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. And John, he was with them as their helper. And that would begin the very first missionary journey. And so we see here this ordination. An ordination simply means, if you're taking notes, the setting apart of a person for a specific task or for a specific job to which God has called, appointed, or ordained. In other words, God has a special job for Barnabas and for Paul. And I notice there were five things that they expected of Paul and Barnabas' life that, that really stood out. And these five things I really hope that Jonah and Robert, you know, would download into their mind and make sure they always stay true to these five things. It's so important to Paul and Barnabas, it should be important for us here today, specifically for Jonah and for Robert, but for all of us as well. Number one, Paul and Barnabas they were devoted to God in his word and prayer. They were devoted to God in the scriptures and in prayer. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it said, while they were worshiping the Lord, they fasted, they worshiped, they were fasting. Verse number 3, after they fast and pray, Paul and Barnabas were men of prayer. They fasted. By the way, fasting is the higher dimension of prayer. I mean, they were, I mean, this was not, prayer wasn't just something they prayed right before it was time to eat. They said their amen. I mean, this was the lifestyle that they lived. They prayed. The apostles in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, they would give their attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. They were into the word of God. Prayer is the first ministry of the early Christian leaders. 
He am bound. She said this. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer. Men mighty in prayer. Edward Payson, he said prayer is the first thing, the second thing, the third thing necessary to a minister. Pray then, my dear brother. Pray, pray, pray. Jonah, Robert, without saying, prayer is so important. And prayer, unfortunately, becomes one of the last things many people do. Even pastors get so busy that they forget to have time to spend time with the God who called them in the first place. Never neglect the ministry of prayer. Never neglect the ministry of spending time in the word of God for your own personal development and for your spiritual growth. Number two, we noticed that Paul and Barnabas were consecrated to God for ministry serving. The Holy Spirit in verse number two said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to set apart, to distinguish, to single them out, to set aside for special service. Bible said they placed their hands on them. The church sent them off to ministry. The Holy Spirit wants Paul, wanted Paul and Barnabas to be different, to be dedicated to God. And the laying of the hands, which we will see with Jonah in a few minutes, was an was a symbol, with the act of consecration. We recognize that God has set apart Jonah for the work of the ministry. And we recognize that. Number three, Paul and Barnabas were committed to the mission. Again, in verse number three, the Bible said that they, the church, the church at Antioch, they sent them off. And they sent them off on a mission. And what's the mission? And the mission is Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. We call it the great commission. It's the commission that was given by the Lord Jesus himself right after the resurrection before he went to heaven and to sit on the right hand of the right hand of God. And the Bible said in Matthew chapter 28 verse 19 Jesus said go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Ghost. And he said there and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. But to evangelize that the mission to reach the people, to reach the world for Jesus, and verse number two, to teach, the disciple. What a disciple them. The Great Commission requires both the reaching and the teaching. That was the mission. And Paul and Barnabas were committed to the mission. John and Robert never lose sight of the mission. We can get so, if we're not careful, we can get so program-oriented. Not to say that programs are bad, but if programs start to lose sight of why we're supposed to do it, then you're doing the wrong thing. Because at, at the end of the day, we're in the business of reaching people for Jesus. Our mission is to bring people to God. Number four, we're to preach the word with reckless abandon. That's what Paul and Barnabas did. They were preaching the word with passion. I, I love this. In verse number five, they, they went to Solomon. They proclaimed God's word in the Jewish synagogue. By the way, the Jewish synagogue had a different set of beliefs. And, and Paul and Barnabas went to a place 
And they didn't just kind of, well, you know, we're just going to kind of go with the flow. You know, we, we don't want to rock the boat. They preach, thus saith the Lord. They preach the Bible. They didn't preach their opinions. They didn't try to tickle ears until I just want to make people happy. They preach what they needed to hear, what God told them to preach. They preach the word. The minute you get away from preaching God's word, then you become a motivational speaker, and that's it. You become a self-help person, that's it. But be men of the word. We need more men preaching God's word. Okay, God's word is still alive today. And you always be ready. The Bible said to preach the word in season and out of season. You know, for me, I always have a sermon in my back pocket. You just never know. I was coming back from, um, I was in Bible college. And I was coming back from Florida and uh, to Michigan. And had a, a family reunion in Tennessee, in the Appalachian Mountains, all right, deep in the Smokies. And I uh, went to the family reunion, and, and uh, it was on a Saturday, and we're spending the night. And I had a second cousin, so he said, you know, he has that Tennessee slang, you know, you know, talk, you know, it's just real southern. And uh, he said, God, why don't you come to church tomorrow? I said, okay. He said, come to my church. I'd love for you to come to my church. And, and that, you know, that, that's great. So we find a little church, and I remember the name of the church, it's right uh, next to a mountain called Round Mountain. And the name of the church was Round Mountain Baptist Church. It's a little old country church. I go in there with my family, and uh, uh, we were, I was probably in a suit and tie. I think I was a little overdressed, you know, for that little mountain Baptist church. You know, I began to wonder, you know, because I heard the stories of the Appalachian Mountain churches like that, you know, that they were might be a box of rattlesnakes. And if you're like, what is that? What are you talking about? Well, there's some churches that believe that if you have so much faith in God that you should be able to pick up a rattlesnake and that you will be alive. Now, if you're asking for my opinion on that, I think that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> so this was the kind of church I'd say, okay, is there a box of rattlesnakes somewhere? I'm looking around uh, because I can't hear a rattle because I'm 80% deaf, but I can see a snake a mile away. I'm looking around, uh, you know, thankfully it's not one of those churches that believe in the rattlesnake faith type churches. By the way, if you're like, can we YouTube that? Go for it. It's out there, okay? And uh, so, some of you are doing it right now, rattlesnake, all right? Save it for later. All right, and so, anyway, it was one of those churches. I'm sitting there, and, and uh, this church didn't have a pastor. All the deacons sat in the front row of that church. And the church started, they had sin, and they sang for an hour. I guess in the, in the, in the Appalachian Hills, there's not much else to do. You know, they sang for a good long hour, wonderful, wonderful music. And they sat down and turned around, and the deacons on the front row said, well, who's going to preach today? Deacons look at each other and and uh, they had no pastor. And my, my, my cousin, my second cousin, he's one of the deacons, he said, hey, I, I've, got a, I've got a cousin in Bible school. <laughs> he's back here. He can preach today. 
I guess everyone look at me. The head deacon look at me. He said, I reckon he can do it. He reckoned he could. So I reckon I did. <laughs> I get up there and my cousin, second cousin said, now Scott, they'd like to hear a sermon for over an hour. But luckily, I had two sermons in my back pocket. I preached one sermon. Uh, by the way, listen, this church right here, I just got up there and said, hi. And the whole church said, amen. I mean, I was like, man, you know, this is going to be a good day. You know, every other word, it was an amen, you know, and, and uh, it was a little crazy. And so I preached one sermon, and then I was like, man, I think they want more, you know. And so I pulled out another sermon, you know, and I went, it was very bipolar, all right? It was two different topics, you know, but it was a good day for them. All right, listen, preach the word in season, out of season. Always be prepared. You never know. One day you might find yourself at Round Mountain Baptist Church. You might have to preach over an hour. Be ready to go. Got to preach the word of God. I have here, Karen, if you would give me, I have Bibles that I'd like to present to both Robert and Jonah. And Robert, Jonah, I just want you to remind you that God's word is so important. This is the study Bible called the Jesus Bible. And I love that because at the center of God's word is the story of of Jesus. It's all about him. And so I'm going to present the Bibles. Robert, here's yours, Jonah. Preach the word. <laughs> and finally, when we look at Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas lived for the audience of one. Bible said in verse 2, for the work to which I have called them. God calls you. God calls you, Jonah. Not Pastor Scott, not your family. You answer to God. Don't answer to the church. You don't answer to the board. You don't answer to the, to the big giver. You answer to God. Don't ever lose sight that you live and work for him. At the end of the day, you'll be held accountable to him. You're not going to stand before me in heaven. You're not going to stand before anybody else. You'll stand before God. You stay faithful. Paul and Barnabas, they knew that. They lived for the audience of one. Well, here, real quick, I want to pivot to the rest of us for the next few minutes. You know that God wants to use you. God has a special calling on these two men's lives, but God wants to use all of us for his ministry, for his work. God can use anybody, ordinary people, to do extraordinary things. And we see this throughout the scripture. One great example is Paul, I'm sorry, Peter and John. Peter and John were two ordinary guys doing extraordinary things for God. These two men, after the Jesus had been resurrected and ascended into heaven, were preaching the gospel all over Jerusalem. They were upsetting the religious apple cart, so to speak. To the religious people, they had control of things. In fact, these same religious people had Jesus crucified. 
And they were still trying to cover up the fact that Jesus rose again. They were still telling this false narrative that the disciples um, they, they, and the followers of Jesus stole the body of Jesus. You know, and that the resurrection never happened. But here was Peter and John filled with the Spirit of God preaching the Word of God. Ordinary men. By the way, these ordinary men never went to seminary. They, in fact, they didn't even finish high school. They dropped out to go fishing. That was their livelihood. That was their way of living. And so they were uneducated. They were ordinary men. God was using them to do extraordinary things. And so these Jewish people hated it so much, so they went and got Peter and John. They, did a, they healed a man right in front of the temple. Uh, he was a lame man, and they, they healed that lame man and started walking again. And then that lame man started testifying to everybody. Hey, this is my testimony. I was lame, but two men came to me in the name of Jesus, and because of Jesus, I can walk again. And the religious people said, all right, we've had it. We've had enough. And so we pick up the story in Acts chapter 4, verse number 1. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducee came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they seized Peter and John, and because it was at night, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. And the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000 people. God was just working so much through these men. The next day, the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law, they met in Jerusalem, and Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas. These were two key players in the crucifixion and death of Jesus, right? All right? And so they had Peter, in verse number seven, they had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them by what power or what name are you doing this? And we skip down to verse number 10. Peter and John, they responded like this. It's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And when they saw the courage, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and I love this, when they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. They were blown away. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see, my friend, when an ordinary person like you and like me, when we spend some time with Jesus, we cannot stay the same. We just cannot stay the same. The word ordinary is a very kind translation that we see here. The Greek word for the word ordinary is the word 
idiotes. We get the word idiots from this word. Ignoramus. That's what the Bible translation should really be. And that brings me great comfort, by the way. <laughs> to know that in the New Testament that there were a bunch of misfits. Because that means that we have a very biblical church model right here at Lake Point Church. <laughs> Full of misfits. I'm surrounded by misfits. In fact, I'm the chief of misfits. God can use ordinary people like you. Ordinary people like me. We're all misfit people. Every one of us. Sometimes I, I tell people, you know, that visiting Lake Point for the first time, you know, I've said it before, I said, hey, we're full of misfit toys. So welcome to the toy box called Lake Point Church. <laughs> we're all broken. Ordinary people. But God can use you if we'll let him. There are two thoughts here I want to close. God's not looking for your ability, but for your availability. He just wants you to be available. Stop comparing your talent. Stop comparing your gifts. Just be available. Be faithful. Be obedient. Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will also do it. He will be there for you. He will make it happen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, we're God ambassadors. We're Christ ambassadors. And then he said in the, in the last part, he said, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We're to live for God. We are ambassadors for God. We are the highest ranking diplomat sent from heaven above to represent Christ, every one of us. We're to be ambassadors at the workplace. We're to be ambassadors at the gym. We're to be ambassadors when you go play golf. You're to be ambassadors when you go shopping, when you get your hair done. We're to be ambassadors wherever we go. We are to be available. God's not looking for your ability, but for your availability. Number two, God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. All you have to do is just open the Bible to see that God uses crazy people, misfit people. The Bible says over and over and over again, we see examples upon examples upon examples of people that God uses to do extraordinary things. For example, Noah was a drunk. Abraham was way too old to be used by God. Isaac, he was a daydreamer. Jacob, he was a liar. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Rahab was a prostitute. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. David had multiple affairs and a murderer. Jeremiah was too young. Jonah, he ran from God. Martha, he worried about everything. Peter, he denied Christ. The disciples, they fell asleep while praying. Don't act like you've never done that before. 
Zacchaeus, he was too small. Paul was too religious. And Lazarus? Well, Lazarus was dead. See, God can even use dead people. He can use anybody. He can use you in your school, in your neighborhood, in your family. Wherever you go, God wants to use you. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God died on the cross so that you can be used by him. He laid down his life. And the same power that resurrected Jesus from the grave lives inside of all of us. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. We're broken. We're misfits. We have this light. We're like the broken clay, fragile jars containing a great treasure. See, God wants to use you to carry out his message, this great treasure. He said, this makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We can't get the credit. God wants to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So what's your next step? You're not step, maybe you're not step today and say, you know what, I need, to get, I need to get on board on the mission that God has called me to do. I need to find a church, and I need to get plugged in, and I need to be a part of it. I need to stop standing on the sidelines, and I need to get in the game. I need to get into the action. I need to be involved. I need to jump in with the kids. I need to be jumping in wherever it might be, in the youth ministries, in, in worship, in, in, in mission. I need to do something. I need to use my gift. The little gift that I have, but I want to use it for God. I want to use my passion for him. I want to get plugged in. And I want to start reaching people for Jesus. I want, hey, maybe God is, and I know God has called all of us to tell someone about Jesus. We're all called to, to, to spread his message. We've got this great light, the treasure. You want to use broken people like us to, to deliver a message. For some of you, it might be easy just to invite someone to church. We've got an awesome, awesome opportunity coming up where you can invite someone to church. You know, 9-11 this year will be 20 years since 2001 when we started the terrorists attack, attack our country. And one, of our, one of my friends, I've become friends uh, since that day, uh, was on the 81st floor of the World Trade Center. God changed his life on that day. In powerful testimony, powerful story. One of the stories was just sitting on the edge of your seat. And it comes out. Right now he travels all over the world sharing the gospel, sharing his story of what happened on 9-11. He's going to be here on 9-11, 20 year anniversary. 9-11 and 9-12. We're going to do four services because we have this light, this hidden treasure. We got to get the treasure out and share the gospel. And as we leave today, Tom probably says up in a few minutes, I have these invite cards and you're going to invite your friends, people you work with. So you got to come. Four services, one on Saturday night on 9-11, three on Sunday morning for child care and all four services. 
We're planning overflow. We're putting a tent outside for LP Kids Elementary. We're going all out. We're going all in. Because we want the dying world to know who Jesus is. We have a treasure. Ordinary people. God wants to use you to do something extraordinary for him. I'm going to invite Jonah to come up here to the platform. We're going to do a, a time of prayer, ordination. And I uh, also want to invite our ordination council to come to the platform as well. I think Jonah's family, if you'd like to come up here, it's a kind of, you know, stand to the side if you like. This is what we're going to do for ordination. This is just setting apart for Jonah's special ministry, for special calling. And I want you to join us in prayer. A couple of our men can pray. As we're praying for Jonah, maybe God will begin to work in your heart as well. It's okay. God, I need to get do something for him. I need to do something for you. Use me. Whatever it takes. You might not be called to full-time ministry service, and that's fine. That may not be what God has called you to do. God may want you. Listen, God may have you for a, a purpose, for a purpose in the marketplace that you're in or wherever you might be. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, and God has called you to be at a stay-at-home mom for a reason. And you're to be an ambassador for him, wherever God has called you. I pray that you would step up and do whatever God has called you. So as we pray, praying for all these things, pray for Jonah, we're going to be praying for what God is doing in all of our lives. I've had uh, two men to pray. Uh, Jason Bjorki can pray. Pastor Mark Sanders from South Carolina, he's going to pray, and then I'll close in prayer, give him a presentation, and then Pastor Tom will have a quick word before we dismiss. Lord, we give you praise, and we give you thanks for Jonah Fair, Lord. We are so grateful that he is a part of this church, our lives. We thank you that he has surrendered his life to serve you, and that he is all in, all the time. Lord, we pray that you will continue to use him mightily for you to advance your kingdom. May he always remain humble and teachable, authentic, transparent, Lord. Just like Psalm 1 teaches, Lord, may everything that he put his hand to prosper, Lord. Not for him, but for you and for your kingdom. May Jonah always remember, Lord, that he is set apart for you for very specific use, Lord and that is to serve you all of his days. But we love you, and we thank you again for Jonah and for blessing him and blessing us. In Jesus' name, amen. Father God, Lord, I thank you so much for my little brother in Christ. I thank you for the fact, God, you have placed a calling upon his life. I thank you that you have equipped him to do the work you placed before him.
God, I know his heart. I know his desire is not to receive glory for himself, but God, to give you glory. Lord, I pray that for him. I pray that as he ministers and he reaches out to those that are far away from you, God, that you would bless his efforts. God, I pray he would see transformation in the lives that he's able to speak into. And God, I pray in all areas he would point towards you. And God, you would receive the glory in that. Lord, I pray that you protect his heart. God, I pray that you protect his spirit. God, continue to equip him and guide him towards honoring you in every aspect of his life. Lord, I pray if there's anything that ever rises up against him, God, that he would not depend on his own strength, but God, he would trust in you. And God, seek you out. And God, allow you to handle those, those difficulties. God, I pray that you just continue to let him experience your love, your presence, and your spirit and strength. God, continue to grow him. God, I pray he does powerful things and mighty things for your kingdom. It's in Christ's name we pray. And Father, as we close here, we thank you for the calling, the special calling you put on Jonah's life. May you help him to be faithful to you. Be devoted to prayer. Devoted to your word. I pray that you will always be consecrated and set apart to be above approach in everything he does. God, help him to be committed to the mission. Help him to preach the word with reckless abandon. God, help him to always remember that it's all about Jesus. God, today, our church, we recognize the calling. We look forward to follow his leadership in ministry, wherever that might be. Help him as he continues to reach the teenagers for Jesus and the youth group. Watch over him, bless him in his effort and his work. Help him to continue to be led by the Spirit of God. We thank you for, his, for your anointing on his life. God, as we close here for all of us, God, help us to see that all of us, no matter how broken we are, you want to use us. So God, I pray that we will make ourselves available, whatever that looks like, so that we can let the world see this light, the, the treasure that's within our fragile clay of jars of our lives. We'll tell people the world about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. And all of us say, amen. I have a certificate here. It's a certificate of ordination we the undersigned upon the recommendation and request of the Lake Point Church at Shelby Township, Michigan, which had full and sufficient opportunity for judging the God-given gifts, Christian experience, call to the ministry, and views of the Bible doctrines, we hereby certify that Jonah Fair was solemnly and publicly set apart and ordained to the work of the gospel ministry by authority and order of Lake Point Church. Amen.
Pastor Tom, come up here. Robert and Jonah are going to be out here in the terrace, out here in the lobby, outside the front, the back door out in the parking lot. And I want you guys to go out there. Go ahead and make your way there. And uh, make sure as you leave, go by, congratulate them, let them know how happy you are about what God is doing in their life. Thank you, board. Thank you, family, for being here.